0: Um, but we're here um, for trade school and it's super exciting to have five days of art and talks all through the lens of the outdoor inspired athlete, advocate, entrepreneur, and artist. Uh, The work you see on the wall is a three-artist collaboration from Sarah Yule, John Fellows, and Jack Ludlam. We asked them to uh, share with us the nature of their work together and, and that's a reflection of that. And one of the things that they asked us in return was that our speakers, our panelists, our audience members, sort of look themselves in the mirror and ask the question, what is the work that you have yet to undertake? So uh, I'm going to ask Jen and Amanda before they leave to share your work that you have yet to undertake. And that's what these black sheets of paper are for, pencils, and incorporated into actually part of uh, the exhibit. the the whole idea behind train school is that whether you're here for one session or 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 all the sessions is that you come in and you get a to at real people doing real no work that they really give a shit about and they go to bed thinking about it they, they wake up thinking about it and some days it's harder than others but at the end of the day like when you're around people doing work that's intrinsic and meaningful there, there's just something like inspiring about that and there's a trickle-down effect that you know that that can I think sort of spread to communities and inspire people to, to do the same thing and um so with i guess no real further introductions thanks for being here everybody this is a live recorded podcast too so on the back end juicy bits which you'll hear about in a minute um you're going to be able to hear hear this conversation um the juicy bits podcast so we're really excited to have I'm here at Trade School, and this is being streamed live on Facebook, too. So people who are watching, uh, this is an unscripted, purely juicy bits-esque conversation. Um, and since there's not really a moderator, just two of you, I'll, I'll just introduce Jen Gerecki, who's the founder and CEO of Coalition Snow. Um, awesome ski snowboard company built for women and by women. And and founder of the Juicy Bits podcast as well, which is very awesome, and fun, and fun. And Amanda Goad, Amanda's uh, founder and owner of Bold Brew, um, an awesome agency based out of Durango, Colorado. Does a lot of work with outdoor industry companies. Also the founder of an initiative called Project 16 by, and formerly the Wild Women's Project. So we'll probably get a chance to hear about these things today. Amanda, Amanda, Jen, thanks for being
1: here. Thank you. Here we are. This is the first ever live recording of Juicy Bits, and it's very different to be sitting up on stage versus in a tiny studio with Jillian and no one's watching you. Um, so not only are do we have people in the audience, thank you for taking time to be here, um, there's also live-streaming. Hi. Um, what I'll say is that we do edit our podcast. So this is a live recording, but know that if something goes super crazy, we're just going to cut that shit out. Okay? No one has time to look down these days. So, but um, I am thinking that perhaps to get the nerves out a little bit, we should start with the traditional juicy bits opening. Um, this is what Jillian and I do when we sit in the Reno collective in the same studio where Dr. Dre recorded the chronic, no big deal, we get to record on of out there, uh, channel that energy. But we start off our podcast um, in this way. <coughs> 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 So, for all of you who don't know about Juicy Bits, or would like to know more, Juicy Bits is a bi-weekly podcast that is brought to you by myself and Jillian Raymond, who is a Coalition Snow ambassador. And we came up with the Juicy Bits podcast, um, to be quite honest, after a long overnight at a backcountry yurt where an entire bottle of bullet was consumed. So, on the drive back home, uh, there it was rough and we started singing songs in the car and we were like sort of talking normal, what's the next step for world domination? We're like, we're hilarious. We should have a podcast and get this out into the world. And and it came from being in this hut with a number of women and realizing that there's so many things that women start talking about but then they don't finish talking about it or they're a little nervous to talk about it. And so Juicy Bits is is really designed to take conversations that we're starting on the chairlift, so that we're starting at the trailheads and and bringing them to life through the podcast. Um, As I said, we do record at the Reno Collective um, and are just thrilled to be able to use that space. And in that space, we've recorded everything from talking about waxing, and I'm not talking about skis, waxing to the dude suit and the outdoor industry. We've had some incredible women that we've interviewed. And then here we are today where I'm sitting with Amanda and we're doing our um, live recording. And just a little note for all the humans who are not with us right now, I want to describe the space a little bit. Amanda, do you want to describe this for us?
2: Um, really nice and open to see the rest of the outdoor urban environment, um, but then
1: lots of natural materials and colors inside. For the nature of work, else? There's a train, so <laughs> you might hear that. We might be in the middle of an amazing discussion, and a train might roll through. There's also um, stairs above us, so people might be walking. So just note to listener: not the. You all know this because you're there. You all know this because you're here. But when this goes live on the podcasting, and people are not here, um, you might hear some urban environment things happening. So. Little, yeah, that's it. Um, let's get started. Great. Welcome. Thank you. Amanda. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. How are you feeling about your first um, live recorded podcast right now? It's quite intimidating, actually.
2: Yes. I, mean, I was just telling you before it started, I've been on a few podcasts, but
1: being in front of people is a whole new game. So... It is, it is. And, and the reason why we're here today is that you and I are actually facilitating a speaking engagement um, in Venture Out this afternoon at 2 o'clock. And the vision for this um, speaking engagement is actually based on Audrey Board and her like mic drop quote, You cannot destroy the master's house with the master's tools. And for all of you, if you don't know who Audrey Board is, this, this context is important she was a um, black lesbian feminist poet and scholar and she was actually invited to speak on a panel at nyu um, back in the 70s and she was the only black woman there and she and she looked at probably the only lesbian and i think yeah and <laughs> they um and it was a, 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 it was a conference for a day and it was a, fe- and it had a feminist agenda where they were talking about intersectionality, even back then in the 70s, we we're just mm-hmm. talking about people don't, you know, we don't really know what these words are, but the intersections of like race and class and, and gender and sexual orientation, and she basically was like, I can't believe you only could find one black woman to show up today. Really? We're in New York City, we're at NYU. And she said it much more eloquently than me, which is why I quote her directly, uh, but she in in response to being sort of the token woman on this panel, Um, said you cannot destroy the master's house with the master's tools and the master's tools are essentially allowing only one group of people to control the voices that exist in any particular industry. So this afternoon we're actually bringing together 10 women who have very different perspectives on on this world and they're going to be sharing their vision for the future of the outdoors and that's why we're here today is to really talk about the what are the strengths and what are the skill sets that women need in order to help make the outdoor industry stronger and more inclusive. So I came up with this concept in my head and I called Amanda and asked her if she wanted to join me. Why did you say yes to my crazy idea?
2: Um, well, first of all, I trust all your crazy ideas. So um, it's always easy to say yes to Jen. But I think that. Um, there's a lot of work to be done in our industry, and I think one of the things I said to you when we started hosting a lot of panels was, um, we're, we're hosting a lot of panels at are maybe we should give the mic and the table to someone else and, and spread the love, um, but we had a pretty in-depth conversation about it and how that if we're the ones helping bring more people to the table, we can really bring more diverse people to the table your idea with this, like let's change it up. All panels, um, shows like this tend to be four or five people that have been in the industry for a long time. So we actually put an open call out to our tools this afternoon and let women apply, anyone apply. Actually, we didn't leave it to women. Um, And so just that unique idea to really open the door to anyone wanting to be involved with something that excites me as we progress the industry
1: forward. Yeah. So you mentioned that we're doing we've been doing all, the, all these panels, but um, let's talk about what you do for your day job and how your day job actually facilitates um, a project that you've launched. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I started Bold through a PR marketing
2: firm in Durango, four years ago when I moved to Mount Town and needed a job. Um, so my husband and I started it together and we pushed our way into the outdoor industry. Um, we didn't know anyone, we didn't have any information. We actually reached out to a competing PR firm and asked if they could get us into the show. We were friends with them and they graciously did. So I've always been welcomed into the industry with open arms and I've always you know, found ways to ask questions and ask the right people for the right thing. And, you know, rarely get get told no if you just ask. And so as, that, as we started to make a name for ourselves and keep pushing our way into more opportunities and more doors, we realized that this is an amazing show, it's been happening for decades, and there's just not a lot of place to connect, um, to connect on a really authentic level with people for a long time. Um, you're constantly rushing from some, one thing to the next. Four different happy hours at night, running, running all the time. Yeah, late for meetings and um, and and having had a little experience and a lot of respect for the industry, I was excited to find new ways for people to connect and collaborate outside of this twice-year trade show. So we established what was then called Wild Women's Project, um, and since then we've called it Project Sixteen by. And um, it was just this ad hoc trip to invite 16 women to a high country hut in the San Juan Mountains, my backyard where I live in and see what could happen. And I made a conscious effort to invite women that I didn't know. Um, it wasn't hard because I didn't really know anyone at the time. Um, so I invited women I didn't know. I invited women from different Sectors of the industry, writers, editors, entrepreneurs, artists, nonprofit alliances. And we tried to bring women together and see what could come of it and see what happens when you're in a hut for two whole days and three nights and what kind of conversations like these can continue, like juicy bit conversations in your car. Um, and what, where we can take the industry and, and our communities, both in the outdoor industry and outside of the outdoor industry, where we can take them and how can we can push them if we come together and collaborate. And since then, it's opened so many doors for me to suddenly be this voice for women and entrepreneurship and leadership in our industry. And I've been so grateful to be able to help bring more women to the table and collaborate in that sense. So how many trips have you done so far? We did one the first year in 16, uh,
1: two last year in 17, and we're doing three this year. Awesome. Like I'm going on one of these. It has to happen. Um, so tell me, with these three trips that you had, what have you seen that are some of the most pressing um, skills that women need to, to, to cult- cultivate? And on the flip side, what are the strengths that we're bringing to our profession?
2: Yeah, um, well, let me start with the strengths. And um, what well, I was amazed this September that we had um, this intense amount of vulnerability among women come out at the trip. And every trip is different. Every trip was, you know, different sponsors, different women invited to the table. So all the conversations lead to being different. But September's trip had a lot of vulnerability. And, and unfortunately, I think in, communities where we, where women are on the side of leadership towards men, vulnerability is looked at as a negative thing in women a lot. And on this trip the the ideal vulnerability was really showcased as a strength for women and that was exciting to see women come together and you know shed tears and talk about things that they are comfortable talking about together with one another but really showcase that vulnerability can bring us together and bring us all up in our industries um tools that we need to work on a little more confidence and drive and direction i cannot tell you how many women um even on some of the panels every woman is so wonderful and gracious to be on the panels that we were on you don't see men up there on the panel saying thank you thank you thank you so much for having me here i'm so happy to be here every single woman says that on every single panel i see and i think we need to have more confidence that we are supposed to be here we're supposed to be at the table Um, so having confidence in one another and boosting everyone up and finding value in each of our skill sets and Homing in on what those skill sets could do
1: for one another is really important. We work on that. Yeah, well, it's it's like this thing that we know that women need to be at the table, right? And we've been talking about this for a long time. But oftentimes it's like, well, just sit, like sit the fuck down, yeah. just go sit the fuck down at the table. And if, if you don't do that, like no one else is gonna no one else is gonna do it for you ever. And no one's going to hustle the way that you have to hustle. So a lot of times I think women want to be invited and they want to um, feel like it's acceptable and okay. So for me, it's not just this confidence thing, but it's also getting to the point where we say, it doesn't matter if people like me or not and I don't have to be accepted. I deserve to be here for X, Y, and Z. How do you think women can get over this need to be approved, liked, invited, and just Move forward, like I'm. I'm meant to be here because I've earned it, and I'm. I'm going to make this happen. Uh, from what I've noticed through
2: experience of um, listening and watching a lot of others and my own recent experiences, the only way that you can understand that you don't need to be accepted by everyone is rock the boat a little, and then you're you're not accepted by everyone, <laughs> and that's just that's just how. And until you like get your you push yourself into that comfort zone. Um, that's, that's my experience with it and I, I tend to um, look up toor- towards a lot of women and watch what they're doing and listen and I think that that's another tool we could all do a little better job at. I think women are innately good listeners but then in some certain situations like maybe myself, being younger women, we're not good listeners and that's a, a tool we should all
1: work on strengthening. It's liberating when you can just walk in your room and be like, I'm gonna give a Right? Isn't it so good? Like you can get so much more done and you can get you can do it faster as well. Um, so okay, so how do you see like how do you see all this playing out for us in like five or ten years? Like what is the future of the outdoors when women are staking their claim both in the industry as professionals, but just also as human beings who love to be outside, whether it's like going for a walk or a hike or seeing like any way that people love to be out- outside. What What is the future in five or 10 years? What does that look like? Well, I've seen so much change just in the last four years
2: of being here. Um, and I can't, I'm sure women and everyone who's been around for the last 10 or 15 years have seen a vast amount of change. So I really think we're gonna keep pushing the needle. Um, I think that people are gonna understand what the word intersectionality means. People are actually gonna know what that, what the definition of that word is in five years. Everyone will, it won't be like this trendy word people are using to try to push the needle a little. And I think that, um, it, I was telling you earlier today, it should be commonplace that every single panel has a woman on on it, without doubt, because there's every single topic a woman should be able to talk about that. So, and it shouldn't be like the token woman on it, which continues to happen, and we have t- token women of color on panels right now too. But I think that it just it's continuing to take time, and it's disappointing when we are still having like a panel about avalanches, and there aren't any women there talking about avalanches. If women understand what's going on in our industry too. They're not only on the panels talking about women leadership. So I think we're going to see a lot of
1: that in the next five years. Beyond women, how else do you see this industry changing in 10, ten years time? What What else is going to be different? I've had a lot of
2: interesting conversations with people about how a lot of people that live in urban environments don't know how to get outdoors, or are nervous and uncomfortable. Or don't care. But, yeah. Well, which is fine. they like they it's they not look not at sure. it and they know this from the conversations I've had. They look at it and they know that being outside is is connecting back to nature. And and I don't live in an urban environment, and so it's hard for me to relate to that. So I think that um, there's a lot of progression in our industry where we're finding ways to teach people how to get outside, how to ski, how to snowshoe, how to um, bike, whether it's road biking or mountain biking, and and just having that connection with nature, whether, whether or not it's like hardcore recreating. And when you're here a lot, you hear a lot of the big-time athletes that everyone knows about. I don't know many athlete names, <laughs> so that's I I feel like I'm in that line between like being um, an aggressive outdoorsy person that lives in a mountain town but then also kind of dabbling in everything and wanting to teach others i grew up in an urban environment my entire life and wasn't necessarily outdoorsy until i until i lived in a mountain town so i think we'll get more people just genuinely connecting with nature
1: well isn't there like a pretty significant responsibility of the industry to start um showing that there's so many different ways to be outside. I think there's so, there, we have a lot of conversations around di- diversity um, and the outdoor industry has traditionally been white and male and privileged, but we know that there's all sorts of other human beings on this planet who'd love to be in the out- outdoors. But their experience from, you know, going for a walk or um, going to the beach is very different from somebody in Everest. So I see that as an as an industry, we actually need to change the stories that we're telling, and actually create um, stories that are relatable. You know, for myself, I have a women's ski and snowboard company, and I don't go big. Like, no mandatory air, right? Like, I'm happy with my feet on the ground. I like to I like to charge. I I snowboard, and everyone asks me, "Oh, so you
2: ride the park a lot?" No, no. Yeah, no, that's like for kids now. I don't even know who does that. I don't
1: know. Them. I mean, I actually do know a lot of them. But it's intimidating, right? And so, even for me, as, as someone who has a company where I can be in control of the images and the stories that we're, we're, we're telling, we try to make a conscientious effort to not only showcase women who are going big in, in the park or women who are dropping clips, but if you're just like taking a groover run, that's rad too, right? Or if you're just going out to the beach, that's amazing. So, I think we have a lot of work in redefining what it means to be a lover of the outdoors.
2: And I think people have talked about that in the last year, but we're not seeing it implemented as much as we
1: should be. So really putting pen to paper and leaves on the ground. Yeah, so another conversation we've been having a lot is that um, women are trending, yay for us, like all of a sudden the whole world has recognized that women are powerful and we can do the things and it's a really interesting time to both be um, to be a, a female entrepreneur but then also be a woman in, in the out, outdoors and a lot of the work that I do and that I know that you, you do too is to make sure that women aren't uh, just trending but we're a permanent fixture. I think that one of the next big areas for us to tackle, let's let's just say it, we're white, me and you. For all of the people listening to the podcast, I'm white and Amanda's white. And um, we have been talking a lot about how do we get more women of color involved? And I keep saying, it's people don't like me, take away my feminist badge, well, I don't know. I keep saying, like, I don't have all the answers. I don't actually know the perfect way forward to get more women of color involved because I want to be careful that I'm not saying, well, my way of life is the best way of life, so you should come, like, the outdoors are amazing, and you don't have meaning in your life unless you are in the outdoors, and I'm really careful about that. And I also, um, it's not that I don't know people of color, I know I know plenty, but I don't want to force my my views. And I also am like really waiting for conversations where I can listen and understand the best way. Um, and I'm not really sure the best way to move forward with that. But it's definitely an issue. What are what are your thoughts about our responsibility um, and just the need to have women of color more um, predominant in this industry?
2: Yeah, um, I told the story on one of our panels yesterday that I'll tell again. Um, how when we started Project 16, and I randomly invited women that I didn't know to our High Country Hut Summit, I still invited a lot of white women, and there were a few, you know, women that were Cuban or Filipino and things like that. But I, um, unfortunately, there aren't a lot of women of color in the outdoor industry. So when you're looking at a pool of women to invite, it's hard and you don't want to tokenize the situation either and so and a lot of social media that came out after the trip we immediately um, started getting a lot of feedback in the comments negative feedback about how the photo of all the women was very white and my initial reaction internally was to get defensive from that and i've since then taken a step back and been very active to go meet women of color and find opportunities to bring women to the table and find ways to get out of my box in my very white little mountain town. And I think that it's really important as somehow putting myself in this leadership position in the industry. To continue to bring more people to the table, continue to educate more women of any race how to have confidence, own their voice, and and don't ask to be at the table. Just sit yourself down, like you said before. Um, and so I think that we can continue to not have all the answers and work together as
1: as women to figure it out, right? Yeah, and there's um, I, I want to read another. I'm going to read an Audrey Lord quote. I'm not even going to try to culture this by putting it words but um what i'm seeing is that there's actually a tremendous need for women to come together regardless of our differences to be able to move a more inclusive agenda forward and i think that there's whole other separate conversations about how we involve men um and i spoke about that actually at she ventures on thursday thursday night so not to alienate the awesome men, there's men in the room too, podcast listeners, this is incredible. Um, But that's just, that's a different podcast, that's a different episode, and we're gonna talk about men. So you guys can come back for that one. But Audre Lorde actually said, in in the same um, context in which she she had the uh, Master's House and Master's Tool quote, is she said that as women, we've been taught to either ignore our differences or to view them as a cause for separation and suspicion rather than as forces for change. Without community, there is no liberation, only the most vulnerable and temporary armistice between an individual and her oppression. But community does not mean a shedding of our differences, nor the pathetic pretense that these differences do not exist. It's learning how to take our differences and make them strengths, for the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. They may allow us to temporarily beat him at his own game, but they will never enable us to bring about genuine change. And I've been thinking about this quote so much over the last 24 hours about people may not like my approach to everything, they may not like your approach, or they may love our approach but want to do it in a different way, and all of those voices and all of those approaches actually have to exist if we want change. There is no one path. That is the master's tool telling women that you must all come together and agree. And if you can't come together and agree and figure out one way forward, then you will never be successful. That's the master's tool. So with all the discourse that we've been seeing, both at this trade show, which I think I think the outdoor retailer trade show is a microcosm for society in general. It's like this little mini social experiment of what happens when you put a bunch of people in a convention center, like fast food and lots of booze for five days, right? Um, but this idea that like all women have to be the same and we have to think the same and we have to have the same agenda and we need to move it forward at the same pace, that is that is the patriarchy telling us that we must be alike. And we will only fail at that game. So I would love to see how we actually acknowledge our differences um, and say like, yeah, that's not my approach, but it's cool. Or you know, just try to be more, um, In community together, and understand that community is diverse, and that all of this, this whole thing that we're doing, it's messy. It's not going to be a neat, you know, neatly packaged and wrapped with a ribbon. Um, What what we're working on is messy and going to take time. Yeah, and just I would add to that. That's what we're trying
2: to do with Project 16. Is bring women from different locations, backgrounds, opportunities, um, ethnicities together to figure out what, how we can solve challenges for all of us, whether they be about conservation, entrepreneurship, outdoor activism, creativity, or these diversity and inclusion conversations we're having. If we can all come to the table and we all have
1: different answers, that's great. Let's, let's do it all. Let's fix it. So I think, this is, a time where I actually, this is the only time we've ever had an audience, and I'm hoping that there is a human being in the audience who wants to ask a question or make a comment. And if you do, you must come use the mic, and here's why. The mic is going to that recorder, and so your voice is gonna sound so good if you're in the mic. If it's not, no one's gonna hear it. So you must come up. Come on up. This is
3: so exciting. Should I do a little, like, well, one no, no.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you um, introduce yourself and then, like, yeah, whatever you want to say.
3: Okay. Hi, hello. Uh, my name's Haley. I work for the town of Breckridge. I live in Breckridge. Um, maybe primary, primary outdoor thing I like to do is ski and trail run. Um, and so,
1: Women who elected Trump, so we know that there's like. Oh, oh my wow. God! Thank you, God, <laughs> for saying it. Oh, oh my God! It just felt good to finally hear it come out <laughs> of your mouth. Oh my God! I'm sorry. It's, no, you're good. I'm so sorry.
0: You
1: don't need to. I don't even want you to apologize one more time. I'm loving this. This is so rad. Um.
3: Yeah, but that's we. So it's that's what, yeah. That's what I was trying to get at. like. Well, I'll say.
1: Don't trust. I will always just say it. Um. Yeah. No, but that that is an issue. It's not like all women are in this together, right? There's definitely a number of of people who, number of of women who don't see this as an issue and and don't actually want to be a a part of of making change. Do you have thoughts on how to resolve that, Amanda? Um, The first thing that comes to mind
2: is it's a progression. It's a generational thing. Sometimes you can't teach an old dog new tricks, and you have to teach or start with our children, right? And really teach the next generation how the world should be. Um, so I think that's really important. And if we can, if we can start there,
1: then we can start focusing on other things. Well, and women can be misogynists too, right? And the way. It- for me, if you're a misogynist, you might as well go hang out under that rock where you came from. I don't really have a lot of interest in like educating or working with with you. I think you should go away and let the strong voices drown you out. I, because once again, we're never going to get everyone on the same page. And I like to focus on places where I can make change. So where the person. Is, is on board but maybe doesn't know how to show up or the person who's working through it. I feel like those women are the ones that we can really mentor and we can give them the language um, and sort of the set of values on how to move it for, forward. But the, the ones that, have, there are gonna be some that are too far gone and I just don't have time for that personally. So I wanna focus my energy on positive people. Do you wanna ch- to add to this? Because um. I mean, it's better if it's a conversation. Right. Come on up. Hi. Um, can, can you say
4: your name? My name is Um And you have a podcast. I do actually have a podcast. It's I just good. started my podcast, what, two weeks ago? I'm yes. only on episode one. I've got flagged, we'll if you wanna okay. check it out. Um, but um, just to kind of comment on, on like not really seeing like women of color in nature, and it is, it, it's representation, like, I can't speak for all black women, but growing up, like anything that had to do with nature was a rich white man's game. We saw it on TV, we heard it in ads. It was just, black people don't go outside, was essentially what I grew up thinking. Like, we don't go outside. We're never like seeing outside. Even like going to summer camps growing up. So going to summer camps was hanging out in the church basement, and every once in a while you go to the neighborhood park. That was the most outdoors. was white women that took me on my first camping trip to actually realize that we can actually sleep outside and not kill <laughs> us or hurt us. And, and it's just, like you said, it's a conversation. It's an open conversation. It's not more of a, oh, well, you know, have you been outside or what have you done? It's, it was as simple as, I'm gonna take a hike. Do you wanna come with me? And it was like, I've never really done a hike. Like, is it strenuous? Am I gonna hurt myself? Like. It was like, no, and from there you educate yourself and, and you learn, but it, we're still not showing the media as being adventurous or being outdoors. But I do think that it is getting to that point. And moving, I moved to Denver last March. Um, I used to visit coming out of here, I had friends. And from where? From I'm from Richmond, Virginia, originally. Um, and coming out of here and, and really just like seeing it. Like we got a little bit of mountains back in Virginia, but not to the scale of the beauty that is all around Colorado. It became so addictive that I had to move here. I had to live out here and I had to just get more. So I think that it's happening. It's a conversation that's happening not so more not so much like in the forefront media. It's more happening like in our homes, at bars. Things like that. So I do think that it, it's eventually going to get there. So hang in there, ladies. Also, a lot of black people don't really like cold too much. So that's why you don't really <laughs> see many people of color in your mountain town. I'll come to your mountain town. Right? <laughs> We're in the southwest.
2: You're it's a lot warmer than you.
4: Think. Oh, see, didn't know that. We believe that everything in the mountains is cold, and that was another thing. Like we always felt like all year round. Oh, there's just snow all over. It was weird being 19 and coming out here it's like, it's summertime
2: and there's actually a trail, there's no snow. But,
4: but the conversation is happening and I just wanna say, I think it's awesome that you guys are having this conversation because, and like, and what I was really excited about when you, when you said, well, it was white women that put him in the office is that I think the line of communication with women of color and white women is that we're not having the conversation, really. We're trying to have the woman's agenda conversation, but we're not all the same. Like, our experiences are always gonna be different, and if we try to pretend that those differences don't exist, it's just gonna push that gap. It's gonna keep that gap going even more. So I love that you guys are actually talking about this. You're, you're being the voice because a lot of times, women of color aren't gonna say anything because at the end of the day, it's still a white person for you. And if you're not going to bring up the issue, then who cares if I'm bringing up the issue? Yeah, so, yeah, But that's all.
1: Anyone else want to add to this or move on to another question or comment? Yeah, come on up. Yeah, Yeah, so cold in the mountains, it's so hot,
5: Artist here in Denver, uh, and I'm sitting here listening to this conversation, and I'm kind of thinking about how these things affect me and just my growth and my relationship with the outdoors. And I'm sitting here trying to speak along the lines of how do we get more people of color to go outside, um, and not just outside, but, but to go to outdoor places we have never seen before. Because it's one thing to walk around your neighborhood or just like your local place is another thing to step outside of your comfort zone. In. Like for me, my step this winter is to put one foot onto a snowy mountain.
3: Because
5: <laughs> I've never done that before. Um, and it's just things like, and I'm, I'm nervous. I watch some of my friends online and them like out skiing, snowboarding. It gives me major anxiety to see them surrounded by all that snow and like absolutely nothing else. But um, it also makes me excited to try something new. And I think about how did I get to this position? And it wasn't back in Baltimore City where I grew up. It wasn't until I moved away from the city into a slightly smaller city, but more nature surrounding it. Was I able to kind of break outside of my comfort zone and slowly and slowly um, do more things outside. So with that being said, I'm wondering how you guys just being in the outdoor industry already are going to make those connections with people of color to draw them out. And I say this, sorry, my thoughts are over the place. But I, I personally think, and some advice to you guys, is to get into those communities. Because, and to have other people of color be advocates for it. Because if I think back to being a kid and being in Baltimore City, if a white woman came in telling me about the outdoors and stuff. That's cool. That's interesting. And I'll probably be like, uh, like I don't know. But it'd be another thing if I saw someone like me come in and talk about how much they love the outdoors and talk about how they used to also live in a big city, used to also be nervous about it. But it's okay. It's, it's cool. It's fun. It's not some, something scary. It's something that everybody can do. It's more. It's more a siege when it comes from a peer or someone you know can more relate to you. Um, so I'm just wondering how you guys can take that and apply that to what you guys
1: are trying to do. Yeah. Well. Oh, wait. Say it. I have a question. stay it. Okay. So I hear what you're saying that um, we need to go into these communities and 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 engage with you in that. That way. What's the most appropriate way for us to do that? Like, I just can't roll in and be like excuse me. I have all the answers to your life. Uh, I think that you would benefit tremendously from being in the outdoors, and I would like to educate you on that. So, what, like, and, and this is a like serious question. Like, if you were going to give me advice on how I could do that, like, how would I do that um, appropriately?
5: So, I mean, if, I think that's hard because it really does start with finding that couple of people of color who already are invested in the outdoor industry and who want to get back to their demographic to bring that in as well um because I, I do think it takes more than just you going in yourself saying like hey this is all that i have but it, it takes you bringing people like you know not want or bring people like myself so granted we are not outdoor experts at all we are brand new but like finding people who are interested like us um or people who are already established like us who want to get back and get to talk to these like you know, other, communities or, um, other communities or urban communities about what's going on, just even in their state. Like I'm from Baltimore. I did not tell you what type of nature is in Maryland. I don't know. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there's some type of like, is the, the Appalachian go through Maryland or something like that? I'm sure there's some type of like yeah, right. outdoor areas. I wouldn't know, I don't know. Like that was not something that was, talked about my school system, it's not, it was not something talked about in my community. Um, the closest thing was really like, the inner heart like the Chesapeake Bay, which back when I was in school was heavily polluted, so <laughs> that was not something that we uh, really went out and did. So I really think it starts with like, community leaders, um, and schools, and having people of color to be able to go to those, like lower levels, because it starts really small, right? Like y'all were saying, it starts really small, and you break your way up. And um, in the previous panel here at Trade School, they're talking about outdoors and mental health, which, if you guys were able to reach into these more urban areas, I feel like that would make such a huge difference. Oh my gosh, I am so much more of a happier person now than I was as a teenage girl in Baltimore City, for sure. And it took me listening to those families talk about their, their story and their connection with the outdoors and mental health, to be like, wow, it was like, I'm so much more different now, like with all of the outdoor um, activities that I've participated in versus being like a city, city kid just
1: like running around in the concrete and not doing much, because I didn't
5: know anything else, you
1: know? Yeah, and there are like there's some amazing nonprofits that are doing that work. So root map started outdoor afro, right? If my name is correct, thank you. And um, and, and I, I see it like definitely on the on the nonprofit side. And i for me personally I'm always looking at like how could I do it like both personally but then even maybe on the corporate side, but doing it in a real way where I'm not like once again looking for the token like Instagram influencer or some weird shit like that, you know? So anyways, do you, do you have thoughts on this, Heather?
2: Um, I was actually looking up an Instagram influencer who who we brought to um, Project 16 last summer, um, and she lives in Brooklyn. She's African-American, or actually, she's not, she corrected me, she's not African-American. She's African, um, originally from Africa, and she has an amazing following. Um, like over 25,000 people and she is, work. her work is working on networking and business events in Brooklyn so one of the efforts we did this past summer was bringing people that aren't necessarily in the outdoor industry to Project 16 and Sada applied, she was really excited about coming, um, we brought her in and she was ner- a little nervous about the outdoors, camping, um, the three mile hike in and the mountain hiking and she Killed it, and she loved it, and she can't wait to come back. And she posted a lot of stuff on her Instagram. She has a lot of influence, and I had an influx of her community reaching out to me, looking to join. And that
1: is exactly what we need to do: is keep that conversation going in that way. Absolutely, absolutely. I think about like you know, my experience, like I have another business in Kenya, and so I'm surrounded by people of color, and I'm in the mi- minority all the time, and there's so many ways that you can learn from that, and even my experiences there with doing a lot of whitewater water rafting and hiking just getting to hang out with African guides and see how they're building that in their local community, um, and then all I have to do is, like, yeah, let's just go, let's, like, raft, and they're like, all right, and I'm, like, rafting down rivers with African guides, and it's super, you know, a lot happening in this world of, the, of people of color that we are just not seeing too so it's happening um, we are getting near to the time we're going to wrap this because juicy bits one of it means a lot of things i'm sure you can think about that um, but but we actually try to keep it short format so that um less than an hour so we're getting close to an hour but i don't want to cut off at anything i'm going to open it up for one last question or comment before we say goodbye to one another. Come on up. Hi, thanks for
5: being here, um, Amanda. Before you were talking about how rocking the boat is your comfort zone, I was wondering if you could just say a little bit more about that, and if it was always that way,
2: or if you had to do like some introspection, or how how you got there. Um. It definitely it was not always up that way and i wouldn't say it, it is my comfort zone even now I've, I've come to terms with that's what you kind of have to do um, as you can tell even on this podcast i'm a little quieter than jen and um, i'm learning that um, finding your own voice and finding your own way um, takes a lot of different paths and, and a lot of different personalities and Sometimes that means being assertive and rocking the boat and telling people like it is and sometimes that means stepping back and listening and hearing other people's viewpoints. Um, But I think that the thing that's helped me in the last four years going from working at an ad agency in Wisconsin and knowing nothing about the outdoor industry and growing up there To moving to Colorado and starting my own business and figuring all this shit out, starting your own business and then the industry. I I don't just work in the outdoor industry; I work in a lot of other industries too. Um, Is having the opportunity to just go try things. Like just, I have to push myself out there and just go try things. Because if I don't try, I I probably did my first panel maybe a year and a half or two years ago, and. I was just pushing the door open and getting on whatever panel I could. And now two years later, I have a voice at the show, which is very strange to me still. So it's not it's not like a new comfortable thing and I'm not trying to own any situation. I'm really excited about bringing more people to the table. and That's what I'm so excited about Project 16 because every time I meet a new woman at our summits, I'm like, you need to come to OR, you need to be on the panel, you need to have a better voice, you need to, you're, what you're doing is so much more important than what i'm doing i need to showcase you um it's way more important than advertising and marketing <laughs> um so i think just having having the ability to try stuff even if you have zero confidence whatsoever is going to just keep opening
1: doors And so, not asking for permission you don't have to ask for permission all the time sometimes it's better to just ask for forgiveness later <laughs> um, no, I'm good. Sorry. Okay, so we're going to close this out. Um, I just really want to thank Trade School, um, Something Independent, for having us here today. Chuck, thank you so much. This has been incredible. I think we're going to need to do more of these. One last thing. If you listen to our podcast, you know that we start and end with a song. Any suggestions from the audience on the song we should pick for this particular podcast, which I'm going to endeavor to put out next Wednesday? Any thoughts? Any thoughts? i'm gonna pick something really good then really good <laughs> i'm sure you i'm will gonna do. make you i'm actually gonna make you help me with this um okay thank you everyone for being here yeah thank you right. yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. ziggy marley treat yourself perfect hashtag juice the patriarchy <laughs>
0: To, uh, uh, we can't wait for the podcast to come out, so let us know because we want to share it far and wide because more people should hear this shit, should hear from you too, and from all of you too. So thank you, Jen. Thank you, minute. to to myself. Got
3: to be true to